0: start by being honest with ourselves. As a nation, for decades, we were perfectly happy to write off whole neighborhoods, whole cities, whole generations of young men and women. As long as it was an inner city problem, an urban problem, which is to say, a black people problem, a brown people problem. Send them to prison, into a system from which they'll never return. Maybe now, now that it's really come home to roost. Now that it's the high school quarterback, your next-door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, we'll accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them. There is only us. And we're going to have to figure this out together. Hello, Baltimore. My name is Tyrone Bose, owner of BPPW, Heating and Cooling. And welcome to our show, The Call Tyrone Show. And I'm here with one of my millennial co-hosts, uh, Zachary Leacock. Uh, um, these are my African-American history and cultural gangsters, by the way. Uh, one of them's in the, in the studio, the other one's in Oklahoma. And the one that's here in the studio is Zachary Leacock, social media entrepreneur, who majored in production, radio, TV, and film at Howard University, the Black Harvard. He's a social conscious vegan and a producer of the Channel 10 Podcast, which features interviews with pioneering rap artists. And uh, Zach's uh, uh, coming up. He's, uh, he's in the studio, and he'll be up soon. Um, and my other millennial is uh, Leroy Myers, who is a, who was actually, uh, he just received his master's degree, conferred on, conferred on him his master's in history, where he actually studied, he concentrated on... Uh, Af- the dynamics of the intersection of African American and Native American history, while he was there, and now he has his master's degree, and he is currently enrolled in PhD studies, so which uh, for something uh, we're very proud of that young man for, um, I'm sure. Okay, and then these are both these both of these guys, by the way, are in their 20s. They're very intelligent, very erudite, and it's a pleasure to have them uh, in the studio with me on, uh, on 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 my shows, all my shows actually. Um, but uh, uh, Leroy Myers at, the, at the present time is in Oklahoma receiving special training on um, some some software that will help him do a better job in teaching other young men and women his age on history, African-American history and Native American history, et cetera. So, OK, now we got uh, our business straightened out here um, and all the intros done. Uh, we're going to talk about ser- several things today. Um, the, uh, the, <laughs> first of all. Um, we're going to talk about the disintegration of the uh, Freddie Gray trial. I mean, it's kind of uh, sad, you know, and um, it's kind of um, uh, I, I don't want to say it's actually pathetic the way it disintegrated because a lot of things that um, happen with that case as far as the way it's falling apart is because we allow them to happen. We as a community allow this stuff to happen, okay? And um, yes, there's a lot of crime in our community. Um, what you do is you arrest the perpetrator, you give him his day in court, and you put him in jail. If if um, you know selling drugs or being a drug lookout, which Freddie Gray they found no drugs on Freddie Gray, and even if they did, it's not a capital offense. Does not merit you being killed, okay? And um, one of the main things, and, and we're gonna talk about the the, the freedoms we lost with the Supreme Court rulings and all that stuff. A lot of people don't even realize the amount of freedom we actually lost from being stopped by the police and being treated like we're in a police state uh with these rulings and, and with the one ruling anyway the ruling on um the uh, that basically um um caused us to lose a lot of our fourth uh amendment protections and by the way the first 10 amendments to the constitution are known as the bill of rights and what they actually do is protect if you decide to read them someday they protect you from the power of the government i.e. the police which is an extension of the state okay so these 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 um these laws uh, actually protect you from the power of the government. Now, there's a lot of people who won't notice uh, these changes to the Fourth Amendment because they're not affected by them. Because, uh, as I said before in the last show, policing is done differently in our community than it's done in other communities. You know, communities uh, like Santan, Winchester, police, policing is practiced differently than communities like Roland Park, where there's a kind of gentler approach. And if you don't understand that, you're quite naive about policing. And 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 as always, we have evidence and documentation to support <laughs> what we're saying on this show. So it's not coming out of my butt. And last, as I said, when I talk on the show, I'm not talking out of my butt. I I got <laughs> I can back up anything I say. Last week for instance, we had um we had a, a police officer, uh Michael Wood. He he was an ex-police officer in Baltimore, City, and he was in he was uh spilling the beans about what the some of the practices that go on in the police department. Um on some of the clips we played. And we also had a police officer, you know, to to um to our appreciation, our great appreciation, call in and explain, you know, in greater detail what goes on in the police department. Um, the, uh, the other ruling by the Supreme Court was a good one. It was uh, uh, it actually supported affirmative action. And um, it actually supported affirmative action in Texas. It was a Fisher versus the University of Texas. And um, by the way, affirmative action doesn't give you anything. It doesn't give you anything. What it says is, look. I have these qualifications too. Give me a chance. You know, give me a look. Give me an interview. That's all it's doing, okay? Let me, Treat me like you're treating these other people who have, you know, have dads that might have been to, in this institution and uh, alumnus uh, or alumni or whatever, and they their kids get to go to the school. Don't bar me because I don't have a history of that. And I come from a disadvantaged background. But the only thing the University of, the uh, uh, Fishers versus University of Texas actually does is, it says that, Race can be used as a factor when, when you're considering other factors. So it's not a, a total giveaway. It's like um, the the problem that the, that the woman Fisher had was that they were letting blacks, the top 10 blacks from the schools that they attended come to the program. But they were considering other factors too, their backgrounds and everything else. And um, some of the blacks were actually turned away. And she, you know, including, you know, she was turned away, but it was also some blacks that were turned away, too, that that um, that that. Uh, Graduated from top of their class. So it it really had no merit. She was just trying to say it was reverse discrimination, but there's really no such thing as reverse discrimination. If if anybody has any depth of of ability to analyze things, there's no such thing as reverse discrimination because affirmative action has always existed. It's just existed for white males. Okay, if you're a white male, you would get the land grants um, under the Headright Act when you came here. In um, the 1600s, and uh, they would get out free land to the head of the household. And you had to be a white male to get that free land, right? And a British subject, of course. But and then you know later on when you were getting the when they were expanding out west and giving out the free land out west, that the Buffalo soldiers protected, by the way, those settlements out west. On on those, if you ever seen wagon train the the TV show, of course they didn't have Buffalo soldiers on it, but you see how they were expanding out west. And selling in the West, that land was given to people free. All they had to do was take the trip out there and get the free claim, the free land. And and in most cases, the black blacks were um, blocked from these programs. They they weren't allowed to take advantage of these programs. And uh, and for the first few years of the FHA program up into the sixties, uh, blacks were basically denied um, any benefits from the FHA program up into the sixties. You know, by by slickery and trickery. So, and a lot of people aren't aware of that history, but if you do a little research. It's not gonna take much. You'll you'll um find it because most of the things that we talk about on this show again is hidden in, in plain sight you know a lot of these things are hidden in plain sight which is which is pretty much our our slogan okay um, the thing the thing that bothers me the most about the Freddie Gray incident was that uh, <laughs> we allow people to convince us that um, Freddie Gray uh, climbed into a van and committed suicide by breaking his own neck, okay? We allow people to do that to us. And uh, I would invite anybody to watch the film. While you're listening to me, go pull it up on the internet. Watch that entire film. Don't don't even call in until you've seen the film. Watch that entire film, and don't comment on it until you've seen it. And then then call me and tell me that he was not injured before he got in that van. Any reasonable person looking at that film knows that that young man was injured. That 25-year-old man was injured before he even got in that van, because he didn't take not two steps to that van, not two, when you're being dragged, people, your natural inclination is to walk. Freddie Gray was not a snake or, or any lizard or anything. He he had legs. You know, he, you put one foot in front of the other. If somebody's dragging you, you will walk, especially if you're in pain, you have cuffs on or whatever. You will try to alleviate some of that pain. It's just natural. You can't – it's a natural uh, inclination. You'll try to – you'll take at least one or two steps. I mean, if, if he, had he taken one or two steps, I might have went for the van argument, but he didn't even take one. He just pretty much dragged him, supported his weight, and dragged him to the, uh, the paddy wag. And, um, you know, as far as I can see, that's the, only thing, that's the only thing we know. That's the other thing. That's the only thing we know about that case is what we saw in the video. That's the only reason we had a riot was because of what we saw in the video. Why are we going to let somebody tell us <laughs> not to believe our lying eyes and it happened in the van? And I understand the guy's a medical examiner, but if you anybody's old enough to remember the OJ trial, the OJ trial, they had experts come in and with DNA evidence on OJ, supposedly, and O.J. was rich enough to, to uh, buy his own scientists that said those scientists were stupid and they didn't know what they were talking about. And they pretty much threw all that stuff out of court that the other scientists were saying. So scientists are not infallible. But just because somebody puts a, uh, put a, uh, a title in front of your name does not mean you don't make mistakes, okay? It does not mean that you're, that you're infallible and you make no mistakes because that's the danger of us just listening to people just because I am the medical examiner. And by the way, again, Doctors do make mistakes. That's why they have malpractice insurance. And I'm absolutely sure that um, that, that doctor in that case did not rule right. What, what, what he had to do really was to try to figure out what was the least, the most likely most likely event that occurred. And because it's very he did not die right away. The way that you tell how somebody died is how the blood pools and all this kind of stuff, they die immediately. He did not die right away. So what the doctor had to do was make assumptions based on a hypothesis of what was most likely to kill them. And if you're somebody that's never been jacked up by the police, that's going to be ruled out automatically that the police did it. Okay? So, and I remember I was telling a friend, I said, look, they're trying to, when this thing first started, they tried to direct everything to the van. I remember telling a friend, look, they're going to get this. Um, we got, we, I know we got a couple of callers, but I know we got a couple, just hold on a minute. I'm just trying, trying to make this quick point. Um, the, I, and, and I was just saying um, to a friend, they're going to try, they're trying to direct all this thing to the van. I said, the minute they get this to go in the van, then this whole case is going to implode on itself by the weight of the case. It's going to implode. There's just no way you to, to prove anything happened in that van. The only thing we know what happens when we saw, that's it. That's why I don't know why we are so gullible to believe that it happened in the van. Cause first they were saying he tried to hurt himself in the van. If you remember, it's supposed to sound like a pack of lies. And then they said he hurt his seat on a screw in the van. And then, you know, then they said they had a witness, you know, that said he was trying to hurt himself in the van and all. So they were trying to convince us that he tried to commit suicide in the van by breaking his neck. And we were uh, Unfortunately, we're stupid enough to believe that. We actually believe this stuff because the medical examiner said it, okay? <laughs> so what? You know, like I said, O.J. Simpson hired his own scientist, and they said that <laughs> what those other scientists were saying was bunk, and they said, we don't work for the state. We, we're real scientists. We we <laughs> know, we know. We need no, we don't need no state job. Okay, so uh, what do we got for the... Uh, who we got? Let's, let's go to take a call. Uh, good go afternoon, Leo.
1: Go ahead, Leo. Uh, yes, uh, Brother Tyrone. And everybody, how you doing? All right. All right. How's it going, there? Well, everyone? you're right on the money. And let me say that the chief medical examiner of the state of Maryland is David Fowler. He has been this racist, <laughs> <That's appropriate. laughs> this racist individual has been a major obstructionist for justice in the case of Tyrone West. For more than a year, he prevented a full autopsy report. to be be given to to jones and the family right he's been a continuing irritant and in fact if you recall a year a year and a half ago when the city council wanted to hear this case regarding tyrone west and investigate the case he refused to voluntarily come before the city council of baltimore because to talk about it because he said he was an employee of the state of Maryland. Right. Now, that, that hold that point, Leo. To, Leo, hold that point. He can't be
0: subpoenaed. Leo, let me interject real quick. Yeah. Hold that point. What you said about him being an employee of the state of Maryland was key because what people fail to realize is that this guy's not impartial. Or, you know, a lot, of, I mean, you expect him to be impartial, but to me, it seems like he's favoring the, um, he's a state employee. I think. It seems like he's favoring the uh, police officers. In, returnal, in my opinion.
1: Order of police, in our opinion.
0: Right, right. He, absolutely. You I, know. I don't see him as being impartial at all. And yeah. then, then and there there is a possibility people of of a, of a medical examiner being not being impartial. There is well, that possibility. He's, don't he's don't be fooled.
2: A, he's
1: been a problem. He's been complicit from the very beginning. It is it is my my thesis that because Lieutenant Brian Rice was the ranking police officer in this case, he has a domestic violence conviction and numerous police brutality complaints that. He outranking all other officers, including the van driver, by his conduct. He knew he dragged he and Miller, these two white officers. He, being white, dragged Freddie Gray to the van. Yep, I saw it right.
0: on the video, and it looked like they gave him the F, they gave the crowd the F U sign. I don't know if they did or not. Don't quote me on that, but they, they, in that video, like they gave the
1: F U to, to the crowd. They placed him in the van on his stomach with his handcuffs. Uh, his his arms tied behind him, handcuffed behind but him. But I think he was already injured. Shackled. I so, think
0: he was already injured at that point, Leo. I'm pretty sure of that. That's from what right. I saw. So,
1: so what is the van driver going to do? He's a boat commanding officer from they're all from Western Police District. He's going to follow the game plan of the white officers who right. have rank.
0: What they were doing, Leo, is they were driving around with him, and they knew he was injured, and they were just driving around trying to figure out what to do. You know they knew that they had they had, they had, they had um, injured him gravely. They knew that by the time they got him to the van, so they were just driving around. That's why he made so many stops, and while he was driving around all all that long, instead of going directly to uh, booking, and and they were just trying to figure out what their plan was going to be, what their story is going to be, and and whatever.
1: I agree. And his trial, Lieutenant Brian Rice's trial, comes up on the fifth of July, the day after the fourth, at uh, downtown. Okay, just letting you know that I'm I'm. I haven't been demonstrating at the courthouse, but things are so bad, I might well be down there about Lieutenant Brian Rice, no matter what people tell me, that I don't have a right to exercise my First Amendment right to to protest. I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired of the conspiracies going on here, and when they gave the family that money, that $6.4 million in the civil settlement, keep in mind that the civil case by Billy Murphy was never filed, he threatened to file it. They gave him $6.4 million uh, of taxpayers' money, by the way, to silence the public. That was hush money. That's all part of the grand conspiracy, in my opinion.
0: Okay. Uh, God bless you, man. Thank you for calling, Leo. Excellent. Excellent dissertation. Okay, next caller. Okay, next up we have Smitty. Good afternoon, Smitty.
2: Yes, yeah, Tyrone, you and uh, Leo bring up some good points of view, but we also got to look at what has ever happened to a police officer and all the cr- crimes that you have nothing. seen that they have done <laughs> to the citizens. Absolutely nothing. We have never seen one of them pay to the full extension of the law. Right. This law is operated. And we won't see it this time, on probably. The extension of incarcerating black people. It's not done for the police officers with that prejudice. Uh, 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 what is it, the uh, Fraternal order Police Department, that whole organization, if it hadn't been, if they hadn't been doing and saying what they said to somebody that was white or any Jewish, they would dismantle that whole operation. It's been a racist program with the FOP ever since they've started. Why would you have an autopsy and we not ask for an independent absolutely, absolutely. Primary. That's a good point because look, people don't understand and do all types. Uh, yeah, good point. Good point. Hold on, minute. Let that.
0: me interject. Let me interject. What people don't understand is they never asked for an independent doctor to say what happened to Freddie Gray. They just took the word of that state medical, which I think is bunk. It's totally ridiculous. That he, so that the he fix killed himself was in. in that van.
2: The in, and <laughs> we, we, keep getting, we keep getting bamboos and bamboos, oh, and they bam, keep totally saying, for the trials. All we got to do is go back and check all the other trials that happened and never been to help us. It's always been to help
0: them. Oh, you, absolutely. So uh, thank you for calling, my, my man. I, I appreciate you calling in and call back next week. But let's talk about – I see we got a bunch of callers, but let's before we go to the callers again, let's talk about whether cameras matter because this is what started all this stuff. Let's talk about whether or not the cameras matter.
3: See more and more um, videotapes, police stories of of police brutality. Do you think this is just a result of cell phones, or is the violence escalating, or has the violence always been there like this, but people are finally finding out about it?
4: I think it's actually de-escalating the violence. Yeah, yeah I, think you're, I think your cell phones are certainly scaring a lot of cops from, from doing things, but the only variable here is the proliferation of, videos, uh, of video cameras. So as you get more and more cameras, you're seeing more and more, but imagine what it was like before the cameras. Cops know the cameras are there. We've known it for a long time. So, like, we have pole cameras in Baltimore, and... So if we were going to do something, so there's a street called Monument Street that's full of these cameras that are monitored by the city. So as an officer, I always knew that if I was on that street, I kind of had to behave in a different manner because I knew the camera was there. What about that situation? So that's the McKinney situation, where you have a guy assaulting a 14-year-old girl. And that chief still comes out, and still he has that blinder, that blue blinder, where he's saying there's 11 good cops there, 12 bad cops there, because he just witnessed an assault on a 14 year old girl in a bathing suit and about it.
0: Okay, so so the point that that we're making is a lot of people think that this stuff is just starting because we have cameras. No, people, this stuff's been going on for years. Okay, it's just the cameras. In fact, that we have cameras. We had to actually getting caught where nobody believed it. Now you got to believe your lying eyes when you see a police shoot somebody in the back or choke a man to death. You gotta believe it. The stories, you know, don't 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 match what you're seeing on, on that camera. Okay, in a lot of cases. Uh let's go to William. Good afternoon, William. How's it
5: going?
6: All right, how y'all doing?
0: All right, William, how's it going?
6: Uh, I have another point of view. Uh you know, I enjoy y'all silver. Uh, you um know, I, I just disagree. Um, I think that uh the gray family was used by William Murphy. I think they was used by Marilyn Mosby because she did not take her time with these cases, and that's why the cases are not um, are not sticking. There probably is a bit of racism and all that. You know, I agree with me with the callers as far as the racism. You would have to agree with us because, thing.
0: like I said before, policing is not practiced the same way in, in Roland Park as Santana, Winchester. There's got to be an element of racism there. No, that's the I only explanation. I really believe that, yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah, I believe that. But all I'm saying is this the family was paid off, and. Um, you know, the, the I, I'm going to say that it's bias and all that, but, you know, prosecutors, Um, you know, if she just took her time, I think we would have had a better outcome. Right yeah. now, just saying, I, I just I wish she would have got it. a
0: a better, uh, I wish she would have got a second opinion from another medical exam besides the, the guy that they used. That's true,
6: too. You know, yeah. because. A lot of people are gonna be disappointed, you know. Right, a lot of
0: people be disappointed. But the only thing we know about that case, I keep trying to tell people, is what we saw on the camera. Why are we That's doing right. that? We didn't see That's what happened
6: before uh, and after. And, yeah, we didn't and see I what happened in the van. So why we
0: worried about something? Some doctor said, you know, that that wasn't even there. <laughs> right, right. And <laughs> Come I can't on. believe, like you said, the
6: cameras would help. You know, and um, uh, you know, things would turn out better. You know, I I, I was just going by my own experience. Well, of course, it's been over almost thirty years, but. You know, I rode in those paddy wagons two times. That was enough for me. Uh, <laughs> so I, all those rides, I, are rough rides. Say, right? you know,
0: they didn't have uh, seatbelts in there. But all I'm saying is, I think he's hurt before really he got in the brand, though. Huh? I think he got hurt before he got in that van, though. Yeah, I, really I think did. he yeah. probably did too. You not know, probably. I, I can all see all from I'm the saying video. Saying I can't deny that when I look at the video, I can't. Yeah, it I just looks can't because his, his legs are uh, like look like they're collapsing. But he's not even. He doesn't even walk. He don't take huh? one step to that van. If he's taking one, maybe one step. I might want to just consider that Van um, explanation a little bit, but he didn't take that one step. He's not a lizard, you know. He, he walks. People walk. Yeah. When you drag when somebody, dragging you, your natural inclination is to walk. That's your instinct.
6: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I, I, all I know <laughs> is that um, I think our young men have to be a little smarter. Me and you go to work every day. I go to work every day. Uh, you know, you just have to be smart and don't put yourself in that position. I, I you get that. Know what I agree. I agree with
0: that hundred percent. But if you do get in that position. Or if you're suspected of being in that position, because not everybody's guilty, you're innocent of proving guilty. You yes, have a right sir. to a, a day in court. You don't expect to be killed, uh, summary execution on the streets. That's not, no, no. I'm never going to go for still that. You got to prevent yourself from being in that situation. I get that, but you're not supposed to be killed on the streets, sir. You're not well, supposed to be killed on the mean, street. You well, get your day in court.
6: run from the police officer I just wouldn't run. <laughs> you know, it's always been
0: my point. I haven't done anything. I mean, let me, okay, let me, to let me explain you. Let me explain to you why he probably ran, and this is just Tyrone talking. Because he's a criminal? Well, I mean, you. I mean, everybody's a criminal in some way, shape, or fashion, I, I, and I, I'm not getting into detail about that. But um, um, what I'm saying is that because we all break laws, we just don't realize it. We break, we might break, break four or five laws a month, and we're not even knowing it. There's so many laws on the books. But um, what I'm saying is that in Freddie Gray's neighborhood, you can be arrested for being a drug lookout, okay? He was already on probation. The man maybe didn't want to go to jail because all the police had to do was say you were a lookout, and that's going to stick. Nobody's going to believe you. They're going to believe the police officer. Do you understand that? that? They're not going to believe you. They're going to believe what the police officer said. And Freddie Gray's been around long enough to understand that. Right. He's been locked up enough to understand it, right? Right. Right? He's been locked up enough to understand that, but as I said again, no matter, I mean, what you did is, I mean, being a drug lookout, sir, is not a capital offense. Nobody's supposed to kill you on that no, it's street.
6: Not. I agree with you. Yeah, but yeah,
0: but yeah, yeah no, you shouldn't be committing crimes. Of course not. I don't. I'm against selling drugs. I'm against that in the community. Yeah. Of course. You know, you have your own business. You go to work every day. Absolutely. Yeah. I every day, seven days a week. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But anyway, thanks, sir. Thank I'll you, sir. Sure. I appreciate. I appreciate All your right. commentary. Excellent commentary. Thank you. All right. right, right you. Okay, uh, let's go. Uh, who we got? Uh, uh, Cheryl. Let's let's get Cheryl on here and see what she has to say. And then we're gonna go to. Uh, after that, we're gonna go to. Uh, what happens after? Uh, when you when you um, what happens when you go to the? Po- okay, go ahead, okay. go ahead, uh, Cheryl.
7: Hey Tyrone, how you doing? All right, how's it going, Cheryl? All right, okay. Now you know when we watch movies and all we don't have no problem when we see consistency in the story because everything adds up, right? Right, right, right. Now, along with the legs. That's part of our
0: brainwashing, too, by the way. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, our inclination to believe that the police would never lie right,
7: and that they right. would never do
0: anything wrong. Unless we've been around them enough, you know, in, yeah. in Freddie Gary's case, he knows that they will lie. Help.
7: Now, Cameron, check this out. Yes. Now, along with the legs and the neck, we know that there was injury. Right. But well, here's something that, check this one out. Now, each time he got with each set of police officers, he told them he needed help. Right. Now, according to uh, the records.
0: Right. If Austin that's what Nero happened, the way it happened.
7: He asked for it and her. Right. All right. Now, when he gets, come on down now, when he gets with Porter, Porter said, he said it was hard for him to breathe. Okay. Can't mm-hmm. you see his condition worsening? So when he gets to the station, he's no longer breathing. See the consistency?
0: Right, right.
7: So we need to look at that. Other than all the other things that was wrong with him, his condition worsened as, um, because they did not give him that medical help that he needed.
0: Absolutely. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree that he—actually, I believe he was injured before he got in that van, and, and what, you're, what you're saying is correct. Okay, the van so ride exacerbated the his condition.
7: examiner, now here's the thing about that medical examiner. We need to, something is not right about that medical examiner. He's on side of the police, that's obvious. It was a reason this man could not walk. But according to medical examiner's report, wasn't nothing wrong. Only thing was wrong was the crack spinal. That's it.
0: And that happened in the van, according to him. He in other words, Freddie thing, Ray was he okay. Said, he he, he got
7: removed the, the crime from the crime scene. Exactly. yeah, it, that's um, why it fell apart. Huh? That's why the
0: case fell apart. That's what people understand. Once they moved it from where it happened to the van, then it, it really caused them to lose the case. Right, I exactly. saw that before it even
7: happened. Now, if you are football, if you watch football, whenever them players, is there a neck injury, they keep them guys still. They don't let them move. They go get a neck brace. Well,
0: they don't put them in the back of an ambulance and, and, and put a hog tie.
7: But, but that's how, <laughs> how the way that they handle them guys they right, always force a brace because you and cause they more they don't let them move
0: because you cause more damage you, right, you immobilize a the, spinal uh huh you immobilize a, a spinal somebody suspected of a spinal injury you immobilize them. that's a- one of the things exactly you do. Yeah.
7: so in his case he still he was moved on that second stop remember remember that footage where they showed him his he was he was on the ground Some some police's the arresting police's was around him. and that second time that they pulled them out, on that second stop, when they pulled them put them back in, the people are saying they threw them in. That was the reason for the splattered blood. Up against the walls of the van.
0: Well, I'm not even, ma'am. I'm not even going that far. What I'm saying is okay. that he was injured before he put in that. He was put in that van, and they 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 were trying to figure out what to do with him once they got him in there because they already knew something was wrong. Um, um, let's go to uh okay. Ernest. Thank you for calling, ma'am. Right, let's go to Ernest real quick, and then we'll go to the clip. Go ahead, Ernest. Tyrone, yes, sir.
8: Marilyn Mosley is a is a hero. Okay, and okay, I agree, are, I agree. I agree. I agree. He's a hero. 10,000 unarmed persons, uh, according to uh, Professor Douglas Colbert. Mm-hmm. Colbert, University of Maryland, okay. was killed in the last 10 years. Only 54 went to trial, mm. and only four were found guilty.
0: That's about right. 10,000. Yep.
8: Now, you said that he was injured outside of the van. I
0: when believe they that.
8: made the original stop.
0: I believe that. I believe and that. And it
8: looked like that. To it like that to me also. It looked like that. Mm-hmm. The medical examiner said that the injury happened inside the van. As soon as he said that, prosecutors do not get uh, um, another medical examiner to come in to refute the state's uh, medical examiner. In the O.J. Simpson's case, Peter Newfelt. And uh, and Peter Neufeld and uh, Barry Sheck.
0: Yeah, I remember that the DNA analysis. They, they had some. They
8: ideas. worked for the defense.
0: Right, right. Correct. They didn't That's work correct.
8: for the state. That's, That's Why they was there to refute the state.
0: But the fact now, that they couldn't bring in another. The, man, when when made you say the case.
8: when you say that he was injured, that gives that gives all these white supremacists and all these people just cause to say. The state didn't know what they were talking about. The problem is this, and you got a lot of black people that's working against Marilyn Moses. This is the problem. And <laughs> I, worked the I, them, uh, <laughs> I worked the wagon for 15 years. I'm certainly okay. not
0: working against it. I admire bringing those charges.
8: I worked the wagon for 15 years. You're in charge of that wagon. No lieutenant is in charge of you, especially when it means that you might go to jail. Right. When, he, when they brought that black boy, 25 years old black boy, to that wagon, Officer Goodson, who was the wagon man, if he was doing his job, if he wasn't trying to protect the thin blue line, he would have said, uh, you can't breathe. Right. Well, I need I, I need an inhale. I have asthma. Immediately, you call an ambulance, whether he had a broken neck or right, not. Right, You're not a doctor. Uh,
0: so you'll be trying to figure that out. You're right. Uh,
8: uh, yeah, uh, and... The other thing is, if it looks like he cannot walk, if he's in pain, you call a doctor.
0: Right. So I mean the medical,
8: the I van. mean the ambulance. <laughs> so the dream to By the him van. not calling, if he had called the ambulance, then the case would have fell on those three officers, those three white guys that we believe that originally committed the, the injury.
0: That's an excellent point. But,
8: but, but by him not calling the ambulance, then they that threw a cloud. So he's protecting. He protected those three white guys. Now, mm. now, don't you think the judge don't know that? He, oh, he the judges. The judges
0: on the, on, the, on the defensive side. That's that's obvious. The
8: judge. <laughs> don't you think the judge, uh, Bray Williams, didn't know that?
0: Yeah, the judge is, pro- he, is, he is he an, an apologist. That,
8: and he, let me tell you this too. If that had happened. If that had
0: happened He's to
8: a Jewish person up above Northern Parkway or in the Northwest District, where a healthy Jewish person, man, woman, a child, got into that wagon, and, and healthy, and got out, got out with a broken spine, three vertebrae broken in the back, and a crushed larynx, all those police would have been indicted and found guilty.
0: Hmm. That's not and gonna happen. And the district though. commander would have been moved. That's not gonna happen, Ernst. They know better. Okay,
8: so I mean, so <laughs> but what, what? What we have? You had you had uh, Sergeant Scott on there, didn't
0: you? Right, right.
8: Well, you noticed you had Sergeant Scott. Nobody else has had Sergeant Scott. EAA hasn't had, uh, oh, They did have him on one time, but they don't. They don't have him on here because he's a truth teller. Right. I listened to him before. And
0: what did he right. say about what did he say about We got some other calls. what did he Come say around. about the wagon ride? <laughs> make the, uh, Ernest, make your last point Make make your last point what and the we're going
8: My last point is
0: this. When they, when they brought uh, uh, Barry
8: Williams in there, I knew that these officers were going to be found not guilty. It's more than enough to find them guilty. My, this is my final point. Uh, 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 Goodman, Cheney, and Swerner. Police killed
0: them. It was KKK, right?
8: KKK uh, and sheriffs.
0: Right, right, the sheriffs, yeah. Deputized militia.
8: Uh, Sheriffs and KKK killed Mm -hmm. them. Yep. And they were brought to trial. and found not guilty. Emmett Till, they killed him. They got the people that killed him. They were found not guilty. So just because you find a person not guilty, later on down the road, at least one in each one of those cases was found guilty when they were 70 years old and went
0: to jail. Right, right, right. I, I, agree. Okay, Ernest. Thank you for calling in. Uh, appreciate your contribution. Thank you so much. Yeah, but um, yeah, he made he made some uh, uh excellent irrelevant points. Um, Marcus, I need you to um, the, the to hold on. Um, we're gonna um find out what happens when the police actually speak out.
9: You're on your side. No, they mostly turned against you. And uh, did it ever
3: get to a point where it got a little scary for you? Oh, I mean, I, I ended up having to move. You know. There were two separate times I called for backup and uh, nobody responded and uh, you know that was that was scary in itself um, the the day after Thanksgiving my wife and I came home there was a dead rat on our windshield uh, you know I remember telling my wife that that day uh, you know right after the the cops left and they took a police report I said you know uh, you know pack your stuff you're going to your parents house and uh, it was kind of felt like I was going into uh, the witness protection program you know almost at a uh, it was like I had to move right away to kind of kind of protect myself and uh, protect my wife and protect my family.
9: Now, Joe, I know you say that still you think a majority of cops are good guys and
3: stuff, but to me and outside, that sounds like you're describing what a gang would do. So, right before the rap was put on my car, I actually go to meet with the then president at the time, uh, uh, Bob Cherry, and uh, you know I bring up my journal that I kept of all the events and stuff like that, And uh, I'm talking to him and, you know, first thing he tells me, he says, oh, I wish you had stopped uh, Giolamis that day. And I looked at him, I said, you know, sir, with all due respect, I said, I didn't even have two years on the street by then. I said, you know, I was the most junior person there. If I had known what was going to to happen, of course I would have stopped him. So, uh, you know, he basically tells me he doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want me to name specifics. He doesn't want to know about names or he doesn't want to see my journal. And I'm basically telling him at this point, look, man, I'm in fear for my safety. You need to pull me off the street at this point. He basically tells me the best thing he could do for me is put me in patrol. The reason people are mad at me. Is because you know, v, you know, V-Cid, which was the name of the unit at the time, and OCD, which was the name before it was called V-CID, was blood in and blood out, and that's why people were upset with me. And uh, you know, when he said that, it was like, you know, I, I felt like I was on an episode of Gangland. You know, like I couldn't believe, like this is our union president, and this is the terminology he's throwing at me, and we're cops.
0: Okay, that was Officer Joe Crystal. He's an ex-Boward uh, City police officer. Um, uh, he, he informed on a police officer that had beat up a suspect or whatever and uh, put her, ended up putting around in his car. He had leave town. He's a police officer in Florida where he says they have community policing. And, they, they, you know, it's like more like um, the whole uh, Barney Fife and uh, Sheriff Andy Griffith. They know everybody and, you know, nobody's trying to um, come down on people if they can avoid all that. What they're trying to do is actually enforce the law in the community. Not, not just incriminate people unnecessarily for, for minor infractions of the law. And, and, that, and in some cases, you know, frame them up for things that they haven't done. But I know we all believe that all the police are honest and they would never lie or whatever. But he encountered a brick wall when he tried to uh, speak out against an injustice. And um, even the union president told him that he needed to uh, be quiet about this thing. You know, so he was advised that, you know, he needed, if you heard on the clip that they saying blood in, blood out, as if they were saying like they were gang you know, the Blue Gorilla family or whatever. <laughs> so um, that's why there's such, um, a, it's so difficult to get these convictions because the only hope we have now with this trial is that one of these officers is just going to fold, you know, the, the last remaining officers and speak out. And uh, maybe maybe Porter, when he gets his retrial, he'll he'll speak out, And you know, if he sees that he's going down, possibly. But I doubt if anybody's going to go down from this one. Um, but I, I admire the state's attorney, um, the state prosecutor for for actually uh, doing what she did. I do. I do. I will say that on the air. Um, uh, Marcus,
5: good afternoon, Marcus. How's it going? Yeah,
10: good. afternoon. Hey, Marcus. I want. I, I want to say there was some guy west who they had guns and the government came in and they stood off the government. Nobody killed. Nobody. Whatever. You had motorcycle gang down in Texas did all they had to do and they. Uh arrested them and they had
0: Ian Crumpet. Yeah, one were, of my one of my clients, uh he had he had got arrested. Just like you said, he had got arrested for um um guns. He had a bunch of guns, all kinds of assault rifles, all kinds of guns. He had like forty, fifty guns in his house. He didn't get killed, they just came in his house, seized the guns, and then his daughter ended up becoming a police officer later on. Yeah, and, but, but she had to move on on the, the stipulation she had to move out of that house because right. but she ended up becoming a police officer. But one of my clients actually what was, was was arrested, taken to custody for having like 50 gazillion guns in his house. And he, he's, right. a, he's a biker and all this stuff. And, and this happened in Baltimore. And right. nobody killed him. You know, it was a white right. guy, of course, but, you know, he was you taking got, peaceful. And he was out of jail when I was talking right. to him. So he only, if he spent any time in jail at all, it was only a couple months.
10: Right. You got a woman hanging herself in her cell, you got. Right, with
0: a, with a trash bag.
10: Uh, you got people downtown going to jail and somehow winds up with a gun in the cell. Right. Blowing yourself away. Now, wait a minute. Only, I'm going to get to the end my point is this. But then
0: you got a little boy with a toy gun and get himself blown away. Yeah, he got shot in the drive-by. The police officer wasn't even halfway at the car when he shot him. You know? Yeah. You're talking tomorrow. about Tamara Rice. I mean, Tamara. Uh, uh, Tamara Rice. Tamara Rice, yeah.
10: Yeah, and you got a little boys getting blown away with
0: little toy guns. You right. he got
10: people running away. Oh, yeah, they had them on one, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, then. Go ahead.
10: Say to sum it all up. To sum it all up what is this really all about? Because I've never seen this too much talked about with a white citizen.
0: Well, let's find out. We're going to... What was that? uh, Police... What what was it? um, Michelle Alexander. um, Is police brutality... What was it, Michelle Uh, Alexander? Let me
5: see. Is is police brutality
0: um, really happening? Let's see if police brutality is really happening. Yeah, or is this just... Hey, hey uh uh hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Let's let's try uh the damage of mass incarceration first. The damage Go of ahead. mass incarceration by Michelle yeah. Alexander. Okay, Mark, you can hold on if you want, but we're gonna play this clip. The damage of mass incarceration. Uh just one moment. The dangers of, of mass incarceration. All right. Um, um well we had was a clip from Michelle Alexander explaining the dangers of uh uh mass incarceration. Go ahead. Uh, okay, looks like. Well, it pretty much. Well, that clip pretty much uh, explains the detail why um, they are concentrating on the black community, etc. And uh, it explains some of the dangers of mass incarceration, and that actually what it is is a, um, it's a numbers game. Michelle Alexander, by the way, is a professor. Um, um, she's a she's a, a law professor, and um, she wrote the book The New Jim Crow. Uh, mass incarceration and age of color blindness, and that's what they're starting to do. What they're starting to notice that a lot of these arrests, there's a, there's a numbers game, and the more people they arrest, the more uh, money they get from the federal government in terms of uh, money for making those arrests, because that gives the illusion that you're solving the problem of murder and stuff like that, when they're not concentrating on the murders. Okay, we've said this time and time again. What they're doing is taking these low level drug uh, people uh, for drug possession charges and searching their cars or whatever and getting, getting drugs and that's what the, uh, the concentration the focus is on and a lot of these murders are going free and commit more and more murders I mean you have some people have committed several murders and they were still walking the street uh, free while they concentrating on these uh, low-level possession crimes so if we got that clip we're gonna go to it
11: in my experience many people who are familiar with this history defend the drug war and mass incarceration nonetheless. They say, but what about all those drug kinpins? And what about the violence in our communities? Don't we need this war to deal with them? And it is true. We need an aggressive approach to dealing with the violence that plagues our communities. But let's be clear. This drug war has never been aimed at rooting out the drug kingpins or the most violent offenders. Never has. Never has. Federal funding in this war has flowed to those state and local law enforcement agencies that boost the sheer volume of drug arrests. It's been a numbers game. And local law enforcement agencies are rewarded in cash by the millions for the sheer numbers of people swept into the system for drug offenses to explain why law enforcement so often goes out looking for the so-called low-hanging fruit. Stopping, frisking, searching as many people as possible, pulling as many vehicles as possible over in a search for drugs. But of course they don't do that so much in middle-class white neighborhoods. They don't sweep college campuses and universities for drugs, though plenty can be found there, I can assure you. are applied only in poor communities of color, because that's where they can get away with it and still get paid. And the results are predictable. People of color have been rounded up in mass for relatively minor nonviolent drug offenses in 2005 for example four out of five drug drug arrests were for simple possession only one out of five for sales most people in state prison for drug offenses have no history of violence or significant selling activity. And in fact, in the 1990s, the Clinton years, the period of the greatest escalation of the drug war, nearly 80% of the increase in drug arrests were for marijuana possession. A drug has now been shown to be less harmful, less addictive than alcohol or tobacco, and at least, if not more prevalent, in middle class white communities and on college campuses as it is in the hood. But by waging the drug war exclusively in the hood, we've managed to create a vast new racial undercast in an astonishingly short period of time millions of people are now saddled with criminal records and legally denied the very rights supposedly won in the civil rights movement.
0: Okay, so <laughs> we see what's going on. It's, it's a numbers game, and you get money from the federal government based on the amount of arrests you make. Also, police officers get awards for, mainly for discharging their weapons, too. You <laughs> think all kinds of citizenship awards, they rarely get something you know, for, for uh, something that doesn't involve the discharge of a weapon or something violent. So they're actually encouraged to do these things. And, then, and if you're going to do it to a, a group of people, you do it to a, a, a throwaway population. And that's what we're, consi- what we're considered. And when you incriminate a, a person, you know, there's nothing left for them. Once they lose their job, whatever, but by going to jail, there's nothing, not a whole lot left for them but selling drugs. And I'm not excusing it, but um, it's an explanation of what's going on. When you, when you tend to try to deep th- think a little deeper it becomes clear. You try to analyze these things. You know, a lot of people don't want to analyze. They just want to say, OK, well, you know, you 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 need to go to jail. We commit a crime. OK, well, you commit the same crime that white folks are, are committing and getting away with. OK. And the, and the racists will say, well, black people committing all the crimes. No. White people smoke more mar- marijuana than we do. We are six times more likely to be arrested for it. It's not that we're doing more of it. We're six times more likely to be arrested for the same daggone thing. All right, so let's try to understand things before we just say all of us are bad and all of us are cretins and, and we all deserve to be in jail because that's where we're going to end up if we don't get a handle on this thing and figure out what's going on. So let's talk about poli- uh, community uh, policing. Uh, let's talk about the PAL centers. We, we, we touched on that last uh, week, so let's talk about what happened at the, the uh, PAL centers. Center,
4: come on. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the rec center. -hmm. My first day, I was like, these Mm are good kids. Mm -hmm. This is regular life. I'm not in the middle of some kind of combat zone like I thought I was. Mm -hmm. The next day, next time I went, I brought my daughter with me. And she came with me every single time. And we all played with the kids. And we all had a good time. And it, it, it wasn't sure, that's not the thing that flipped the switch finally. But it, it played a role in that, in, right. in seeing everybody as a human, and becoming more of a part of that community, because any of those kids that I was there with then, if five, ten years down the line I saw them on a corner, I would approach that kid a really, really different way. And if another officer would have approached that kid and jacked him up, I would have been like, whoa! No, no. Because you know him.
9: Right. Of course! Of course! Of course that makes a huge difference if you know the kid. That's why, the you know, in back in the Mayberry days, you know, the... Uh, Matlock, whatever he was called back then, <laughs> Andy Griffith, you know, in, in, in the in the TV show, um, they treat people totally different. It's not like they were going around him and Don Knotts busting heads in Mayberry, right? Because they knew everybody in Mayberry, right? And they knew that that was the, the plumber's kid and that was the grocery store clerk's kid. So now the, the cops didn't want to go to the rec center. See, from my way of thinking, since I'm not a cop, I think, well, what could be wrong with the rec center? People are going to do good things. They're like, you know, they're getting together to socialize, that's a positive thing. Why did the other cops not want to go to the rec center?
4: I don't know. I mean, it's just like you you don't think about integrating into the society. You just want to get your job over with, go home and not worry about it. Maybe it makes the job easier if, if you don't empathize. Like That was my original thing. So my original thing was actually I tried to be like a RoboCop.
0: Okay, so this is a white cop. Um, his name was uh, Michael Wood, and he um, he, had this, he was talking about his experience at the PAL Center. and he said after going there, you know, kind of like a light bulb went off and he said, this is just regular people, these are good kids, you know. So he's identified that not all our, our kids are bad. I don't know why we're running around saying up all our kids are bad because it's not true people. And when you and a matter of fact, the people that are um, in, intersecting with the white population, a lot of our so-called leaders, they are saying this type of stuff, that these kids are animals. I think a lot of them are and when, they, when they interface with the white community. That these, you know, they need to be locked away, and, you know, that's the only viable solution. And, that's, and so far, that hasn't worked. Mass incarceration doesn't work, people. If it did, crime would go down, all right? And the things they're locking people up for aren't the things that are going to solve the murder rate, you know, submit a murder problem. Because we need, the, we need the, uh, these hitmen and these, these uh, enforcers for these drug cartels arrested. That's what we need. We need them off the streets, the rapists and the burglaries, the burglars and all that stuff. That's what we want. Okay, but that when they're not addressing that, they're just make, getting stats, what's called stats. They, they get their numbers up so they can please their bosses. And um, and the way you do it is you do it as, with a throwaway population, which is us, and we allow it to go on. So um, that's why they say one in three blacks will be incarcerated before they die because we're creating this system of mass incarceration where once you get these criminal records, you're now unemployable. you now unemployable. Okay, in a lot of cases. And so you revert back to selling dope on the street. And it's a cycle. Um, um, Now, the other thing that happened in the news was the uh, Fourth Amendment was eviscerated. Uh, Zach, you want to read the Fourth Amendment?
5: Okay, so the Fourth Amendment says uh, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue. But upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized.
0: Okay, so now you have a right not to be searched and stopped and annoyed by the police if you're not doing anything wrong. Unless he has a warrant that's issued by a judge which specifies the place to be searched, the thing to be searched or seized, and the person to be searched or seized. Now, we forget about all that. We get, we build up all our rights. Um, we want to be second-class citizens so bad. You know, we think that's going to solve our problem, but it doesn't. What it does is it, st- it gives the police the ability to stop you in the street. You haven't done a damn thing. They stop you, you know, detain you, make you lose your job while you're waiting for them to search you and all that stuff. And you haven't done anything. That gives the police too much power. They have enough power. And why... And the thing about this new ruling is that the police can now um, seize evidence if you have a warrant out on, on you. Now that sounds good on the surface, but you get a warrant for not let's say somebody sent a, a traffic ticket notice to appear in court to your house. You never get it. You get, you, they will issue a bench warrant, okay? Now the police is at the police' discretion if they stop you on the road, road arrest you or not. In most cases, they won't arrest you, especially if you're white. <laughs> I've actually been arrested for a red light ticket, okay? Because it was a unknown, unbeknownst to me, it was a bench warrant issued for me because I missed court. I never got the ticket in the mail. I never got the court date in the mail, so I, it was just a red light ticket. And they arrested me, so they searched my car. I was a young man at the time, and then I found out later that it was up to the police discretion whether they wanted to arrest you or not. Okay, that's why that's important. You know that that we actually lose rights behind that. And that's that's um, they say in Ferguson, sixteen thousand people um, have a. Uh, Outstanding warrants and it's mostly for traffic and parking tickets. You get arrested for jadewalking in Ferguson. Is
5: right. That? And um, you know, this is um, you know, making it so if you have any warrant when the fourth amendment clearly states right here that the warrant needs to particularly describe the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So now they can search um, you know, you know just search you off of anything
0: right um, if, if they just all they got to do is search searching that see if you got a warrant right and then they, that gives them the ability to stop you and start harassing you and, and detaining you or your child by the way and uh um, judge
5: uh, sotomayor who wrote the dissenting opinion um uh, she said uh, this case tells everyone white and black guilty and innocent that an officer can verify your legal status at any time it says that your body is subject to invasion while courts excuse the violation of your rights it applies that you're not a citizen of democracy but a subject of a carceral state just waiting to be cataloged
0: right and the and the opinion was written the uh the assenting uh opinion was written by clarence thomas which which means he agreed with everything went down so here here he is again you know clarence thomas you know he he's always voted against or for anything that would hurt black people he's always voted against affirmative action and by the way he voted against fisher uh versus uh texas that affirmative action thing that that agreed that affirmative action was okay clarence thomas voted against that disgrace that he followed Thurgood Marshall who who um, actually um, uh, argued the case of Brown versus the Board of Education before the Supreme Court before he became a Supreme Court justice and in other cases, major cases, he argued for our rights. Uh, Clarence Thomas never did none of that. He was somebody down the hallway that George Bush um, uh, put on the court. He was he was in charge of the EEOC and they just said, oh here's a guy we could use and he's been be used the whole time. He's been there. And somebody once said to me that black people had slaves and I say that yeah, but they weren't white slaves. And also there's always been black people that were willing to re- exploit other black people for personal gain. Just go down to City Hall and you find that out. Um so let's go ahead with um uh, we have time, let's go to uh Ferguson uh policing and, and why this is so critical. Um he's so gonna uh, pull policing. it up now. Yeah. Um that's the last one. But um But uh, Okay, so we don't we don't have time. Let me see. He's uh,
5: he, he's he's getting that clip together okay. now.
0: But but when you hear this clip, you'll you understand why it's important that this, uh, why this thing takes away a lot of our freedoms. Because the 10th Amendment actually, I mean, the uh, 10, first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights, actually protects us from the power of the government.
5: And it's, you know, been a big issue, especially, um, you know, um, in the news in the past few years about uh, New York City and the um, difficulties that that they've had um, when it comes to the stop and frisk policies. um, Because they've been doing mostly the blacks and Hispanics. Right. And, um, you know, just stopping (laughs) anybody (laughs) um, with, uh, you know, little to no justification. um, You know, that's been going
0: on since the 90s. And that's. That's um And they know, were saying that if they pulled over some of the Wall Street bankers they'll find out they got cocaine or whatever and some of them got uh phone numbers to high price hookers. Right. So but they don't bother to pull those people over. Right. Um, they, have, they have more rights than you have.
5: And like Michelle Alexander said, um if they decided to do a uh SWAT, um a, a SWAT team raid on a on, on a white um, you know, community, just imagine the things that they would find. Um, you know, because the stats uh, clearly show that, you know white people
0: commit crimes too people. Right. Okay. <laughs> They just <laughs> they're just not targeted, but and, we are. And you gotta understand or, that,
5: yeah, in equal or greater proportions, um, you know, as as black people, um,
0: so, so now that the fourth our fourth amendment protects. The only deterrent the police had was that the evidence couldn't be used in court. That's why they didn't stop you and detain you when they had nothing on you. Now they can just say, well, okay, he didn't show up for his traffic ticket. I guess I can pull him over and detain him, make him get late for his job, and harass him, maybe cause an incident where I can arrest him for. You know, so, but, um, but, uh, so we're, we're about, yeah, it's about, uh, it's about that time. Okay. Now. So it's about that time. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed the dialogue. Um, and um, uh, thank you for attending another exciting edition and another informative edition of the call Tyrone show. And be sure to join us next week at two o'clock Monday at WOLB. AM 1010 for The Call Tyrone Show, and I thank you for your time.